0: It's wonderful to see everybody here this morning. Uh, if you are visiting again, I want to welcome you and, and thank you for being here. What a beautiful, beautiful day. It's just amazing uh, the creation that God has given us. It's amazing the cycles that we see. It's amazing what rain will do. It's uh it's been amazing seeing the Caprock this week and how it has just turned to color. Just the wildflowers and the green and the grass and everything has just perked up and, and came to life. Uh, everything's kind of doing its job as God intended. Uh, mosquitoes are doing their job. Hopefully the frogs and the birds will get to doing their job too. But it is, a, it is just beautiful. It's been beautiful and it's, a, it's just a privilege we have to come and, and serve uh, and worship our mighty God, this morning. In uh, Matthew, the fifth chapter, uh, Christ is preaching uh, His Sermon on the Mount. And there's so much wonderful teaching um, that He's uh, He's teaching the, the people there. And there's a, a portion uh, in that sermon where he asks a question. It's a very important question. It Says, "What do you do more than others?" And any time that I that I go through uh, and, and I see this passage and I read that passage, that, that verse always just stands out at me, and it causes a lot of, of self reflection to me, because it just you know Christ is just asking you know what do you do, what do you do more than others. And it's a very, very important question. It's important that we often uh, re- uh, self-reflect, self-examine ourselves. Uh, look, into, look into God's Word and allow that uh, to, for us to view our lives through that, through that lens. Like the, like the person that looks, looks at himself in the mirror and then just forgets uh, how he looks and does nothing about it. That's not how we should be. We should look into that perfect law of liberty, look into God's Word, and, and think about our lives. And if there's things that we need to change, we need to make those changes. And we'll begin with a passage in Matthew the fifth, beginning in verse 43. Christ said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And he makes us, uh, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So as we think about this, This teaching, you know, go back and just think about what he's saying. How, you know, wow, you know, that teaching must have just blown them away. Like, you know, you're expecting us to do that? You know, that's that's just crazy thinking there. Love your enemies? When people treat you bad, do good to them? That's incredible. How and why would somebody do that? Yet that's what Christ has called us to do to be different, to be vastly different than the world, because that's exactly what the, what, as the world thinks. You're good to those that are good to you, but you're not good to those that are bad to you. You love those that love you, but those enemies, you just hate them. You don't want to have any part to, to do with them. But he says, well, you know, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? You know, and that's easy to do. It's easy to love those that love us. It's easy to love our families. It's easy to love our friends who love us and are good to us and are always there for us. It's easy to look around this room and love our brothers and sisters in Christ that have been so good and so loving towards us. But what about, but what about those people out there? What about those people that, have, that don't care what happens to us or or, uh, how we're living and what's going on in our life and have just soon taken advantage of us uh, for their own good. Yet we should be kind and loving to them. That's what Christ was teaching, a different way of thinking, a different kind of heart. Then he says in verse 47, And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? What's so special about that? Everybody does that. The tax collectors, uh, whom they considered, you know, so evil, cheating people, charge more than what they should and keep back some for themselves and just considered immoral people. And so the tax collectors do that. Anybody outside that's not attending any kind of service in any way that's just on the street, do that are kind to those that are kind to them. The question is, what do you do more than others? What kind of difference has Christ made in our lives? And has He made a difference? Do we stand out? In Titus, the second chapter, beginning in verse 11, says, "...for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men." teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. In this present age right now, you know, in our, in our prayer, we've talked about the, the world and the country and, and how we, we, it seems to become coming less and less fearful of God. Yet despite that, in this present age, in this present country, in this present town, in our present lives, we need to live soberly, righteously, and godly. Verse 13, why? Because we're looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous of good works. We've got to be different. We've got to be different from everybody else that, that will love those that love them. We're going to love everybody and be kind to everybody and say good things to other people and not react as the world would when something bad happens or when somebody's wrong, but be different and think different because we're different. We're his own special people and because of that, we should be zealous of good works and we should stand out In the world is something different. If we're no different, if there's no difference, then we're just big disappointments to ourself and much more to him that we claim to be our Lord. So we should be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Of course, we know that we're not going to be sinless. That's a standard that we, can, that we can never reach, but it should be our daily goal to become, to become more like our Father, to become complete, to become more spiritually mature so that we can do the things um, that we've read about this morning. The fact that we call ourselves Christians says that we, we are different, that we are followers of Christ and that we have done something. We have obeyed the gospel. We've obeyed that death, burial, the resurrection of Christ I mean, buried with Him in baptism and become a child of God. What have we done since? What are we doing on a daily basis? What do we do more than others? What are we doing more than others to evangelize? You know, most... Denominations out there and you know, do different things to try to get more members. Um, all of us have probably received phone calls or received mail and and, and letters, uh, visits to our door, uh, people trying to try, wanting to, to teach us and, and uh, become a part of their uh, their denomination or their their church. What are we What are we doing? You know, we had a great spring work, a wonderful spring work, a wonderful spring meeting, lots of work. So many of you were out inviting people to, to, to come and, and visit the assemblies, and, and many, many did. And it was a wonderful, wonderful work that we had. We've got uh, good work. Uh, you know, some of you go out to the, to the prison on a, on a daily basis or on a, on a weekly basis. And, and so much good has come from that. And people are, have responded to the gospel due to that. But as we look at this on an individual basis, not as the whole congregation, but Craig, what am I doing? What am I doing to evangelize the world more than... Anybody else out there in the world that's not even a part of the church is doing. Matthew thirteen and verse twenty-three says, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understand it, and who <clears throat> who understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. We're expected to bear fruit. Now, there's lots of different fruit in our lives. Uh, not everybody's going to be like the Apostle uh, Paul and, and be able to preach and, and, and travel all over the, the world and, and spread the gospel as he did. Some of us can be Andrew, and we can go tell our brother. Some of us we may bear that spiritual fruit, those fruits of the Spirit, so that other people around uh, can see that we are indeed belong to Christ. See that difference in our lives and maybe ask us about the hope that's within us. Are we ready to answer that question? What are we doing on an individual basis to be fruitful? You know, I'm r- reminded of, the, of the, the, the parable of the talents. The three receive the talents. And we think about that one talent man who... Who just just buried his talent? Didn't do anything with it. Then when his Lord came and asking him, you know what? You what have you done with that? And he said, Here, here's what you gave me. Didn't do a thing with it. Here it is. Is that what we've done with the gospel? The gospel that, that we have obeyed, the gospel that have saved our soul, that's get, that's uh, brought us in contact with the blood of Christ. What have we done with it? Have we shared it with others? John 15 and verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more and more fruit. As we grow spiritually, we should be bearing more and more fruit in our lives. More of those uh, fruits of the Spirit. And more opportunities. You know, when we do those things, it'll bring opportunities. People will ask us about the hope that lies within us. It will allow us to have conversations with people when we do those things as we mature spiritually. And as it does, we need to become more fruitful. Luke, the 13th chapter, verse 6, says he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that, you can cut it down. You know, that's just a natural thing to do. That's what we do. You know, when I moved over here to Plainview and, you know, new, new house and new yard, and I had two bushes. I'm not much of a gardener and, you know, really wasn't sure what they were. Had thorns on them, so my assumption is they were, they were rose bushes. But they didn't, first, all last spring, last summer, neither one of them did a thing. But I did Water. I did do my best to take care of them and I cut away all the dead branches and just to see what they would do. One of them just filled up with roses this year. Beautiful. One of them didn't do a thing. Cut it down, got rid of it. It's just in the way, it's ugly, it's using up the ground. That's just a natural thing. And he's been the natural thing for us spiritually. We need to allow Christ to prune us, to water us, allow the church to help us, to help us grow and to do and to be fruitful. Matthew 9 and verse 36 says, But when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. We sang about this very thing this morning. Did we listen to the words? Can we see that there's people out there that are lost, that need the gospel, that need us to show them how to live, to show them what Christ can do for them, and the blessings that we can have? through him, the blessings from God. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers to his, to his harvest. We need to be laborers. We need to go out there and do the work. What do you do? What do I do more than others in evangelizing the world? Matthew 28 and verse 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the last things Christ said before he ascended was to go and teach and baptize. We need to do that. We've got a wonderful opportunity. Coming up here in the next few weeks as we have our summer meeting, and I know we don't. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a different type of meeting. It's uh, our spring meeting is generally very uh, evangelical. We we really we really work on, on preaching the teaching the gospel at that meeting and inviting lots of people. Uh, this meeting uh, we'll have we'll have a lot of lot of visitors again. Let's have more visitors. Let's uh let's have an opportunity or take advantage of the opportunity we have. To invite our friends and neighbors and work contacts and people uh, that would come associated, ask them to come to that meeting, that they'll be exposed uh, to what we have been so blessed with. What do you do more than others in giving? 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so, must do also, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up that he may, as he may prosper, prosper, that there be no collections when I come. This is teaching that we receive, and we know uh, uh, this is the example that we follow, and we do that here each first day of the week. We have boxes here in the back uh, for your giving. And we, as saints, as Christians, as members of this congregation, we need to do this. We've been commanded to do this on the first day of the week. To lay something aside. That there be no collections when I come. There's lots of work to be done. And this congregation has been so, so very giving. So gracious with the blessings that you've been given and we've been able to do uh, so much work and this congregation continues to answer the call when there's a need somewhere and we thank you for that again let's bring back to that individual basis what am I doing what am I doing more than just people that are, that are out there, some member uh, that's not a part of this congregation that maybe doesn't have the blessings that I've had or maybe doing more than me? What am I doing more than others in giving? And notice storing up as he may prosper. It's not just that we give, but it's how we give. It's the attitude that we give. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let's let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So again, it's not just important that we give, it's important how we give. Where's our heart giving? Have we purposed it in our heart? Have we thought, given thought to what we're going to give? Do we look at our finances? Look at the month? Evaluate how we've prospered, how blessed we are, and what we're going to give back to our Heavenly Father. And not grudgingly, not, you know, so hard to put in that box. And I could, oh, I could, other things that I could do with this. We don't need to give grudgingly. We need to be, know how blessed we are for the opportunity to give back, that that money's going to do good things to spread the gospel and to help, uh, help this, this congregation here. And we need to do it cheerfully. Again, happy, knowing that we're blessed with this great opportunity to give back. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse one. Christ said, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. It's not something that other people should, should know about. It's something between us and God. And what he sees in secret, he will reward us for. It's not something we should give because we want other people to know how much we give and how good we are. How much money we have. In Acts, the 11th chapter, beginning in verse 26, it says, And we had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So here in the days of the early church, we know that there was uh, miraculous gifts that were given. And one of these was the ability to to prophesy. So we see this this prophecy, there's going to be this this famine that's going to come, and there's going to be people that need help. And then in verse 29, each according to his ability, they heard that need, they saw that need, and determined, determined, to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea, this they also did. And again, thank you. This congregation just continues to answer call after call when help is is needed, and we thank you for that. Again, what can Craig do? Our example we see in Luke, the 21st chapter, beginning in verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Again, it's so important how We give. What is our heart in giving? It should be something that hurts a little bit, shouldn't it? This poor widow gave everything she had. And again, it wasn't the amount. God doesn't look at the amount, He looks at the heart. What do we do more than others in our daily lives, in our manner of living? How people see us. Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning in verse 14, says, You are the light of the world, the city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are we being that light? Again, not to, bring, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to bring glory to God. Do we light up the neighborhood? Do our neighbors know that we're Christians? Do they expect us to, to act a certain way because that's what they've seen, in a way that brings glory to God? At work, at school, the friends that we hang out with, and our business dealings, at the store, in the parking lot, are we different? Do our lives shine more than other people that are out there? As the children of God, that light needs to shine. Again, not for our own glory, but to bring glory to God. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example the believers in word and conduct in love and spirit in faith in purity and all aspects of our lives we need to be examples the things that we say how we act the way that we show love even to our enemies in spirit you know how, how we think our attitude in faith in our obedience to God in our trusting in him in purity As we fight against sin, as we fight against temptation, are we different from the world out there? Titus 2, verse 6 says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say to you. be sober minded think like we should grow spiritually so that we can react to situations in a way that brings glory to God our life should be a pattern day after day consistently bringing glory to Christ so that others can see sound speech (coughs) live and talk and think and make decisions in such a way that nobody can say anything evil against us. 1 Timothy, the second chapter, begin in verse 9, says in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. In this day and time of just such worldliness and uh, constantly seeing the glamorous and uh, teaching uh, women and young girls that it's the most important thing is how you look. You know, that is not the case. The inside beauty is what God looks for. A life, dress, that professes godliness with good works. Not the outward appearing that the world teaches us that is so important. You know, how do we carry ourselves outside of this building? How are we seen socially? You know, three of us are at the water cooler, have... uh, Uh, getting a drink during during work break if two are not Christians and there we are are we any different do we talk and act any different do we tell jokes that we shouldn't just like everybody else do we speak outside and use language that we shouldn't just like everybody else do we watch things on... on uh, do we go to movies and things like that that we shouldn't just because everybody else is? Or is our manner of life different? Socially, we see such rebellion in so many things um, that are taught in this world today and in this country. It's been spoken of a lot in the last few weeks. We need to not let those things influence us but we need to profess godliness in the things that we do. What do we do more than others at work? 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, and verse 7 says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we not, might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. We need to work. This country is a, it's a wonderful place. We're great blessings. I'm grateful to have been born here and raised here and live here. But I'm expected to work. Work so that I can eat. If I'm healthy and able to, that's what's expected of me. Even those, you know, evangelists and, and, and apostles, they didn't want to be a, a burden on anybody. They, they, could have, they could have, but they wanted to be an example in working. Ephesians 6, verse 5 and 7 it says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, since since 2020, it seems that we've just seen work ethic just kind of go to go to pot. It's just uh, it's what was there. So much of it has been lost. We as the children of God need to be examples. We need to be examples in the workplace. And though we may be working for some person. Every day in what we do, we need to work like we're working for God. Because we are. And we need to be examples. You know, in what I've seen, there's just great rewards. People that don't work hard, that are trying to get by as little as they can uh, from their bosses, uh, they're not enjoying their jobs, they're not happy with it. But people that work hard and enjoy it and want to do good for the bosses and want to do good for the Lord... Enjoy those jobs and, and can find joy in that. And we should do that as children of God. Well, do you more than others at work? Do we know God's word more than others? 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 1, says, Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby we cannot mature spiritually we can't do what Christ taught us on that sermon of the mount think like that have a heart like that if we don't grow if we don't spend time in God's word and apply those things to our lives and as we do we grow we grow spiritually and we don't stay babes and we can become fruitful and spiritually mature which is what we should but we do we desire it we know how those babies desire milk when it's time there's nothing else is going to do we need to be like that daily with God's word second timothy 2 Uh, Chapter 3, verse 16. And that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What we have in these scriptures will equip us for everything that we need. We need to take advantage of what God has given us. We need to study God's word. We need to know it and apply it daily to our lives and to grow. Because it will equip us to be what we need. You know, we're not just born able to do things. Charles back there is an electrician. He wasn't born able to, to do what he does with electricity. He had to learn it. He had to become equipped. And any of us that have a trade, doctors spend 10, 12 years trying to become a medical doctor. So much to learn so that they're equipped to serve sick people. To be equipped, we're going to have to spend time in God's Word so that we can be equipped and ready for every good work that He's called us to do. Do we pray more than others? 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 16, says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. as I think of that, you know, sometimes we don't need to get in just such a habit right now it's time to pray and then at this time it's time to pray and recite these, these old these, these words that we can say without even thinking about them we need to talk to God we need to thank Him constantly because we are constantly being blessed when we have needs we need to go to Him when we're worried, when we need help, we need to ask Him. When something goes really, really good, we need to pause and thank Him. James 5 and verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. You know, it tells us when we should, when should we pray. It's all times. What emotion should, should spur us to pray? All of them. When we're happy, pray. When we're sad, pray. When we're angry, pray. When we're scared, pray. When we're joyful, pray. Pray without ceasing. Consider God always. Pray throughout the day. It can be a very simple prayer, driving down the road, or before we're fixing to talk to this difficult person, or, wow, that was really great, what just happened, or that kind of word that somebody said to me. And, or, wow, what beautiful flowers are there in the camp rock. Pause and pray. First Peter 5, verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know, for us to really pray to God as He wants us to, we have to humble ourselves before His mighty hand. When we think too highly of ourselves or put too much trust in this world, when it's all about me, I can't pray to God as He would like for me to do. Therefore, we must humble ourselves under His mighty hand so that we can do Just that. What do you do more than others? Matthew 16 and 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's about that eternal perspective, knowing that doesn't mean this life is always going to be easy. It's not always going to go our way. It means design ourselves of the carnal things that we come in contact with every day that, that wants to get us off track. It's a matter of denying ourselves of those things and taking up our cross and following Christ no matter what the day brings. And when we do that, We're going to be His own special people. Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God present our bodies a living sacrifice. Everything that we do and say needs to be focused on serving God and allowing Christ to shine in our lives. And Craig needs to do better. Craig needs to self-reflect. Craig needs to ask that question, what am I doing more than others? What am I doing more than just somebody outside that doesn't have all the blessings of, of the blood of Christ and a, and a father in, in heaven and, and as a member of the body of Christ that doesn't have all that? Am I any different than that? I should be because I'm one of his own special people and my not, light needs to shine. The lesson is yours this morning. We never know the minds of those in the audience. There may be those who have never obeyed the gospel. If you've not obeyed the gospel and become a member of Christ's church, we invite you to do that this morning. You can come forward. You can repent of your past life. You can confess Christ before this audience. You can be buried with Him in baptism. And you can leave here knowing that the blood of Christ has cleansed you of any sins. And you can go out and just start growing. Maybe you've done that and you have another need in your life and you'd like the prayers of the church. If there are those, we'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.